Hello Church. Thanks for joining us on our third podcast. We're so excited to have you with us. We are continuing our readings through Proverbs and talking about all kinds of different things. We will break apart this proverb and and talk about it and how it applies to our lives. And to be real honest, we'll probably talk about many other things. (laughs) But thank you for joining us. We have David, Nat, and Leslie here, and we're going to jump in. How's everybody doing? Yeah, doing good. Super excited about this. These are always fun. I always enjoy these. This is one of my favorite parts of the week. I was pretty bummed that we didn't get to do one last week because of the holiday and (laughs) sick kids and everything else. So I was I was pretty bummed not being able to do this. But this is this is definitely one of my favorite parts of the week. Just getting here and talking to you guys and imparting wisdom and taking wisdom and. Yeah, it's fun. We rabbit hole a little, but it's okay. It's good for the soul. We have heard some great things from everybody who listens so far. I have no idea how many listeners we actually have, but I, I do know that we've been been getting comments on Facebook, and we've had people come and talk to us and tell us how much they just enjoy the podcast and So if you have any questions about anything that we go over, anything that we discuss, or if there's anything that you want us to discuss, make sure to let us know. Leave us a comment, uh, leave leave a message, talk to one of us, do something so that we can help bring content that will help you and, and help bring you some wisdom and just help you in your, your walk with Christ. Today, we are going to go over Proverbs 2, and last week we talked about we talked about community, we talked about how we are to pick a, a good community to be a part of, and how that influence us, influences us as people and as believers, and just some of the things that we participate in. And so this week we're going to talk a little bit more about that as well. The writer of Proverbs goes into a a different topic. He goes from choosing a a good community and not diving into committing sin with your your friends and, and the people that you surround yourselves with and what you might call your family. This one goes into a little bit different of an avenue, but we're going to be in Proverbs 2, and we're going to go verses 1 through 22. Before we jump into the readings, anybody anybody have anything? Nope, I'm excited to get into this. All right, let's jump in then. It says, My son, if you receive my words... And treasure up my commandments with you, making your ear attentive to wisdom and inclining your heart to understanding. Yes, if you call out for insight and raise your voice for understanding, if you seek it like silver and search for it as for hidden treasures, then you will understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. For the Lord gives wisdom From his mouth come knowledge and understanding. He stores up sound wisdom for the upright. He is a shield to those who walk in integrity, guarding the paths of justice and watching over the way of his saints. 
then you will understand righteousness and justice and equality. Every good path for wisdom will come into your heart and knowledge will be pleasant to your soul. Discretion will watch over you. Understanding will guard you, delivering you from the way of evil, from men of perverted speech, forsake who forsake the paths of uprightness to walk in the ways of darkness who rejoice in doing evil and delight in the per, per perverseness? perverseness sorry <laughs> i could not read that perverseness <laughs> of evil men whose paths are crooked and who are devious in their ways so you will be delivered from the forbidden women from the adulteress from her smooth words who forsake the companion of her youth and forgets the covenant of her God. For her house sinks down to death and her paths to the departed. None who go to her come back, nor do they regain the paths of life. So you will walk in the way of the good and keep to the paths of the righteous. For the upright will inhabit the land and those with integrity will remain in it. But the wicked will be cut off from the land and the treacherous will be rooted out of it. Deep stuff. So, so the passage starts off and it, it really just starts, it starts with a continuation. Just a, a continual plea of this father to his son to seek wisdom. And sometimes I feel as a parent, that's the one thing that you want your kid to do. You know, be smart. Don't, 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 don't do dumb things. I mean, (laughs) use the brain that God gives you and actually seek after what is right and what is good and what is wise. And if you can do those things, then you will save yourself a ton of heartache. And so this is kind of a continuation of that plea. And I think that it's important, again, for everybody to hear the importance of seeking out that wisdom, seeking out that that knowledge and seeking out really the things that we need to know. And when we were talking earlier, I said that it was kind of ironic if this was the if this was written by King Solomon because it goes into not falling into the temptation of the the adulteress and and not falling into those things and yet he had hundreds of wives and and concubines and things of that nature and it kind of comes comes to that concept of yeah, maybe you're not the person to be telling me that <laughs> because you have struggled with that for, for so long. But then as I was sitting here thinking about it when we were reading it, there's probably not a better person to seek that information from. Right, because they understand how right. hard it is. They, they know from experience. And I feel like so often we we don't go to those people because we view them as being hypocrites. Right. So if they've struggled with that, why would we go to them for advice? Because they're obviously fail failures in it. Mm-hmm. So why would we go and talk to them about it? Why would we take advice from them about it? But in reality, they're probably the most wise in that subject. And and not to say that they will have all of the answers or even the right answers, but at least they can tell you areas where they have found strength. 
and areas where they have found relief from that situation. And so maybe King Solomon was the, the greatest of people to seek after that because King Solomon was really the downfall of Israel because he disobeyed God in taking in wives of other nations who worshipped other gods, and then that introduced idol worship, and the people of Israel began to worship those idols and, and stray away from God, and that started this huge, long generational problem. I feel like he would have a ton of wisdom to impart on following the will of God because he failed so epically in that sense. Right. And in nowadays, going to that person, at least you could have accountability with each other. Mm-hmm. Versus if you go to someone who doesn't understand those things, then you might get a little bit of judgment back. Right. Maybe. So who is it in your life that you guys, that, that you seek wisdom from? If you want to share, if you if you have somebody and, and you don't necessarily want to share that, then you know you're more than welcome to not. But who is it in your life that you find yourself going to most often to seek wisdom and knowledge? Hmm. Y'all, Phyllis, Gina's pretty good too. My grandmother. I kind of like to talk about it with everyone because you just never know who's experienced things or. God's moving in someone's life to help you. I think you go to different people for different reasons. Truth. I think you I think everybody has different people in their lives for different reasons. Right. And so you go to that person that you like you said you feel is closest to that situation who can give you some concrete stuff go to somebody that never experienced it it's kind of like they'll commiserate with you but they can't tell you anything what i'm not saying they don't tell you anything that helps you but you're looking for something concrete right so different people for different reasons that's true yeah for sure i I would echo the same um although i have found uh one person who is um incredibly similar in thinking, um, which has been really helpful. Um, because not only does he have the wisdom um, in multiple facets, but he also um, can sort of pinpoint where my thinking goes wrong. Um, and I think that's been super valuable for me. Nice. I think that's okay. good. And I think it's important to also find people who are like you said that that are on the same wavelength but those people that can also call you out you know those that's right you have to have somebody that is not afraid to do that yeah I, i i found the best way that i i could help the church in whenever i was in seymour and, and really help ministry on, on all sides is I wanted to make sure that our committees were made up of people on different ends of the spectrum. So, you know, if, if just as an, as an example, if you have a church where you have those individuals who are straight traditional, you know, conservative, both, both in worship service and stuff like that, I would, I would place them on the committee and then I would also place people who were, were much more contemporary so that you could hear both sides. 
and then you could kind of come to a middle ground because in reality we we all we all say things based on our preferences right or experiences or what what we want or desire but in reality sometimes we need to make those compromises and so i always found it best to have a committee that was made up of of both ends of the spectrum those who were not afraid to speak up and tell you what they thought and and that's just what helped us grow. And so I definitely think there are different people to gain different advice for. Mine was always my granddad and and my Mimi. And uh, my grandmother was one who was, she was always the sensitive one. Aww. You know, she was always that, you know, let me, let me bring you in and, and let me, you know, help you out. And granddad was just, he was the hard one. You know, he <laughs> was the quit whining and and move on, you know, get over it, kind of step up and, and do what you have to do and, and keep going. So if you, if you needed some comfort, you, you went to Mimi. (laughs) If if you needed some hard love, you went to granddad. So I I definitely think different perspectives are are really good. I think compromise is something that's fading away in our society. Like I agree with everyone on, Standing up for their beliefs and believing what they believe is right, you gotta have compromise. You have to. That's just there's so many of us with so many different minds and mentalities and perspectives. But that's also showing love, being able to compromise, mm-hmm. loving that person enough to meet them halfway and agreeing to disagree right. in instances where that's necessary. I think our society's missing out on some compromise. Most definitely. And it's either, you know, I'm right and you're wrong or you're right and I'm wrong. There is no in-between. Right. There is no, not, not necessarily just compromise, but there's no conversation. Right. There's, there's no give and take. There's no presentation of, you know, I would really just love to hear your side of things. Even though it might not change my side of things, I still want to hear it. And I still want to place value in it because that's your truth. Mm-hmm. That's that's something that that you feel is is true, and there should be some validity in it. Not that everything you believe in is a hundred percent concrete, right all of the time. But I can still listen to it and still empathize and, and understand who you are and where you're coming from and what it is that you believe and having those open dialogue conversations, it, it kind of goes back to the concept of you can't talk about politics and you can't talk about religion. Right. You can't talk about those things in front of people. And I think that that concept has crippled a lot of people. Yes, it has. And those are two very important things in our country. Mm-hmm. Like you run almost everything. And people having those conversations has now evolved into I'm going to hear what you have to say. And then when I speak, I'm just going to tell you all the things that you're wrong about versus the things that you're right about or the things that we have in common. So then it just is just like firing back and forth, which doesn't help anything or make someone want to understand your side. Right. It's a debate mentality. Yeah. And it's awful. It's a, I have to convince more people that my side is right than you convince people that your side is right. Instead of just being like, I like the way you said that, or I agree with that point. Because then you're able to pull a solution out of those agreements versus just tearing things apart more and more and more. 
but I would also caution um, to take the time to genuinely listen. So often right. we listen yeah. to try to uh, reciprocate or have some comeback, and the whole time we're thinking about, well, I'm how do I, you know, how do I debate that? How do I mm-hmm. sound smart? If you're me, um, a lot of times in my head I'm just like, how do I sound like I know even a little bit of what we're talking about? Um, and uh, we're not genuinely listening to people when we're doing that, mm-hmm. and so we've got to be careful to um, to just slow our mind down a little bit and just genuinely think. And I think there's a whole lot of value in telling somebody, hey, can I get back to you on that? Can I think about that? Can I process that a little bit? Can I study? Can I ask some questions and stuff like that? Mm-hmm. And then from there, the important thing is following through. Right. And, um, come back to them maybe next week and say, hey, I've been really thinking about what you said. And um, yeah, let's talk. Yeah. You know? One of the the greatest projects that I've had in seminary so far was in my world religion class. And the assignment was to find someone who was of a different faith than you were. And you you just interviewed them. That was the only purpose. Interview them. It's not it's not to it's not to debate. It's just to gain information. And that's it. And so I chose uh, my sister. She is she her, her faith system is found in uh, the Science of Identity Foundation. I believe that I said that correctly, and if I got it wrong in April, you listen, I'm sorry. <laughs> um, but I, I believe that's correct. And so they a lot of their terminolo- terminology falls under Hindu context and things of that nature. They're, they're, not, they're not Hindu, but they, they use a lot of the, the same words and things of that nature, and they use a lot of their holy text and, and stuff like that. And so one of the greatest things that I was able to do was just talk to her about it and because it allowed me to understand what it is that she believed. Because previously, the only opportunity that you'd have to talk about that kind of stuff is in a family setting, and in a family setting where the majority of the family believes in God and Jesus and Christianity, how do you bring that topic up? Right. You know, how do you say, Hey April, what <laughs> is it that you believe? And that's, that's always, cause you don't want to offend anybody. You don't want to make it awkward for her. You don't want to cause tension, but when it was just her and I, and being able to talk about those things, it was such a blessing to me because now I'm able to understand a little bit more about what my sister believes. Even if I don't agree with, with her belief system or, or, you know, where she's at, I have such a better appreciation for who she is and what she does. And we can disagree and that's completely okay, but I understand her more now and, and I have a a better idea of her life and, and the religious practices that she has. And so I, that is invaluable to me. And That's I hope awesome. that it's something that we can t- can continue to talk about just because I want to know more about her and, and more about her belief and, and more about those things. And then maybe we can have open dialogue about that stuff. That's awesome. But, you know, I, I think that we need to have those conversations. Yep. And you can't really gain wisdom unless you actually seek it out. And ultimately we're going to end up having to seek it out from someone. Right. You can gain knowledge from books, 
but I, I don't know that you can gain as much wisdom from books as you can from people. Yep. And so you have to do that. You have to be actively seeking out that wisdom. And we talked about that the first week. You have to actively search for it. It's not just going to land in your lap unless you have that person who just likes to come around and, and you know, spout off <laughs> all that they know to you because there are all those people. They'll just come in and they'll sit there and they'll talk to you for hours upon hours. But normally it doesn't just fall at your feet. Did you get a lot out of that conversation that you weren't expecting with your sister? I did. I did. So in this, in this faith system, uh, it, their main purpose, their main goal is to become perfect lovers of God. That's, that's the term that they use, perfect lovers of God. And they, they do that through um, bhakti yoga is what it's called. And it's the, it's the worship of God. And so they, they might have a different name for God. But in their belief system, they're, they're, they're more universalists. That God has multiple different names. And so Christianity's understanding of God might be different, but it's the same God and, and Hindus and Buddhists and, and all of that stuff. So it's, it's a universalist concept of religion that all roads lead to the same God. But their whole goal is just to become perfect lovers of God. And in doing that, they do that through their worship. They do that through the way they treat people. They do that through serving. They do that through, you know, feeding the poor and, and doing all of these different practices. And my sister is probably one of the most kind people that I've ever met. Aww. I mean, she's one of those who, like, she serves at a soup kitchen on Thanksgiving. Like, her and her whole family, her and her kids, they go and they serve at a, a, a soup kitchen in the Austin area. For Thanksgiving, and that's what they do. Like that's that's who they are. And so she is she is one of the most kind and loving individuals that I know. And it's kind of one of those things that you look at and you think, "Wow, she is such a, a loving person." And then somebody from our faith system you come in contact with, and you're like, "Man, <laughs> they are such a jerk." Yep. You know, it's kind of one of those things that you're like, "Man, what is she getting that they are not getting?" And so it was great to just to, to just listen to her. And, and in my takeaway was that really kind of what we've been talking about the last several weeks in our sermons is we are so focused on following a set of rules or we're so focused on following a, uh, a formula or a guideline or order that we forget that the most important thing is not the order of worship, it's not the music that we sing, it's not the rules that we follow, it's not the guidelines, it's our love of God mm-hmm. and our pursuit in that love. And so if that is her entire purpose in life is to become a perfect lover of God, isn't that practically the same thing that, that we are called to do in Scripture? Yeah. And I, I don't know that we can say perfect lovers of God, but isn't that supposed to be our main focus? Yep. So that was my takeaway, was like she gets that concept, yet there are so many people that I come in contact with that don't get that concept. Yeah, what I got out of all that you said is um, she has faith and allows that to serve others, mm-hmm. and I think that's great. I think that's awesome. 
and just like, so do you look forward to talking to her about those things again? Yeah, I would love to talk to her about those things again, because I feel that that, that conversation and being able to go back and forth with each other and, and just open up about our thoughts and, and concepts, it, it, it brings enlightenment. It brings, it, it sheds light on certain aspects and situations. And so I think that we can, we can gain wisdom from each other even though, you know, I'm not going to become a, a science of identity foundation believer <laughs> and I'm not sure that she'll ever become a Christian. I, you know, I, I hope that she does, you know, in, in, in my heart, I hope that she does, but you know, that might not ever happen. But I think that we fall into that idea that no other person of any other religion can have any type of wisdom that might help us or help help build us up because they're, they're heathens, you know, <laughs> yep. it's just that idea of, well, they're, they're sinners who are away from God. And so they can't have any wisdom. I remember putting a quote on one of my bulletins in Seymour and it was from, from someone who wasn't a believer. I want to say they were like a German scientist or something like that. And it was such an incredible quote about the universe, just in general, like the, the magnificence of the creation of the universe and it was such an incredible quote. And it, it, in my eyes, it was such a, a godly statement. And so I put it on the front of the bulletin. I had somebody come to my office and like chewed me out. Oh, I bet. Like how dare you put a non-believer scientist quote on the front of the bulletin. And all I could think is, you know, not not just Christians are not just the only ones who have wisdom. Right. All, all people have wisdom and we can learn from everybody mm -hmm. and we just have to be weary of what we learn. We have to make sure that what we learn is also tied to scriptural content or scriptural um, content because we have to be weary of false teachers and, and, things of that nature. But to say that a non-believer can't have a re revelation from God is erroneous. It's, right. it's false, you know, it's, it's, and it's idiotic to think that because God gives revelation to so many different people in scripture. I mean, you know, think about, um, Jesus imparting wisdom on the Samaritan woman and the Samaritan woman going and imparting wisdom on everybody else. Right. Imagine if, the whole town said, well, I'm not going to listen to you because one, you're a woman because that would have been something that was, yeah, that they said it was a situation during that time. And, and two, you're an adulteress. So I'm again, not listening to you. And three, you're a Samaritan. So I'm not going to listen to anything. That you, that's three strikes. Why am I going to listen to you? Right. But God had given her a revelation. So we have to make sure to watch for those. Right. But that means we have to have a knowledge of Scripture. And love and peace to be able to accept that right. from someone else. Right. I saw a documentary, and it was about science trying to disprove God. And because I see God in all science, it's so complex, and it's so beautiful, and it's never-ending, and we'll just never have all the answers. That's exactly what the Bible is to me. Right. And they couldn't. Long story short, they couldn't disprove it. Right. They had some facts that said 
science is right, and then they had facts that said, we don't know. Right. Maybe it is. Mm-hmm. And um, there was two astronauts that went up to space in the, like, 1960s when they were first going and doing these things, and one of them was a Russian scientist. And he went up there, and being in space and seeing the magnificence of Earth and the stars and, you know, the galaxies that they knew surrounded them was enough proof for him that God didn't exist. Because he's like, they don't see no heaven up here. I just see all these planets and galaxies and these stars and all the scientific facts. And then an American one, uh, astronaut went up there who had faith and was, like, in awe of the magnificence of it and was like, clearly I see God in this. They were on the same ship in the same part of space at the same time with the same knowledge, education. It was just perspective. Some people go into things looking with their mentality versus being open. And I just thought that was mind-blowing. Like, you're a belief away from having a completely different outlook on life. And I just thought that was really powerful. Well, since we're on the topic, topic, what are y'all's thoughts on science and religion and how those coexist and how do they work together or how do they work against each other? Because I'm taking a class this semester uh, that's called uh, the philosophy of science and religion. So it, it goes over those, those processes. And that was one of the questions in the discussion the other day was what is your understanding of science and what is your understanding of religion and how do those work for and against each other and, and what are your thoughts on it? And so since I, I didn't bring up the topic, Natalie brought up the topic. <laughs> so what are y'all's thoughts on that? Because I think that people struggle with that. Mm-hmm. And I think that I think that the people of our church struggle with that because they see these scientific discoveries that are, are advancing every single day. And for the last century, those scientific discoveries have taken the place of religious mystery. Mm-hmm. So what are y'all's thoughts on on science and religion and things of that nature? Got anything, David? Um, well, truthfully, um, I haven't done as much study on that as I should, especially considering I'm a huge sci-fi nerd. Um, (laughs) see, I I would think that you would be the most scientific of the group here. Like just in my, in my (laughs) mindset, like, you know, you're the, the Neil deGrasse or (laughs) you, you read scientific things of, of, I'm an Uber nerd. I, even have Star Trek comics, and I'm not ashamed to say that. Um, the art is incredible. Um, but, um, yeah, as much as I love I love space and science, um, and I, I, I'm kind of, you know, in the documentary you were describing, I would be that guy when I look out at the, the moon and the stars, and um, I'm the person that's in awe. And for me, it just points to um, exactly what God is saying, as he um, created in Genesis uh, the moon and the stars, and, and he knew them by name, and um, and he split the the land from the sea and the, the sky, and it's just I don't know. For me, I see science as proof that um, God is just as mysterious and um, so. What's the word? I don't know, for me personally, and I know the biggest rub, I think, from what I've seen um, with science and religion is science is constantly trying to prove something. 
where faith, I should say faith over religion, uh, faith is saying, you know what? I don't have to have all the answers. Right. And that's okay with me. I just know that God is bigger than this box that I try to put him in. And so um, I feel like that's that's the biggest tension is science wants definitive proof where faith says, I would love proof, but I don't have to have it to believe. And so for me, that's that's the main main thing is simple of an answer as I can give you because I could talk all day about it. But <laughs> me too, <laughs> Leslie. I like what David said because <laughs> I I really don't think about no. I really don't. No, don't ever think about. I've never like. I've never given it that much thought, no. but I really like that. <laughs> <laughs> That's the simple answer that I can give. Um, Briar and I like to talk a lot about the differences. and um, We love um, taking the time to look at, um, like, I, I'm such a nerd. The SpaceX launch, both of them, um, and coming back, so technically three, it was on my TV and on my phone like the entire time, and I'm just watching this launch happening, and, and I'm thinking about the implications of going to Mars, and you know, what's the possibility that God put life on other planets? And right. just because it's not in in Scripture, we have to realize like there are so many mysteries and so many layers and depth of, of God. I'm like, who am I to put? That's probably the biggest thing for me is like, my mind has always been, who am I to put limitations on God? Right. God could have, who's to say this is the first world he's created? Right. You know, I've, I've sometimes wondered, and this is so off topic, but how did the angels get there? I'm like, what if the angels that we know of now was like God's first attempt? Right. I'm like, Blake has that theory too. I'm like, wouldn't that be kind of cool? And I mean, does that change the way the Bible reads or does that change the way I believe? No, not at all. I just sometimes like thinking about weird stuff. Um, and, you know, obviously when um, creationists like us begin talking about science, one of the biggest things that come up is um, evolution. Um, and it's so funny uh, because you see both sides cringe. Um, <laughs> evolutionists uh, cringe when you talk about creation and creationists cringe when you talk about evolution and I think it's funny because the and this is in my very unlimited my unlimited my limited knowledge of evolution because I quite frankly didn't spend that much time in science classes or pay attention but um, I was <laughs> drawing the whole time let's be honest <laughs> but <laughs> I believe it um, the the basis is that people and things change over time. And there's a, there's truth in that. Mm -hmm. I am not the same that I was last year, the year before that, or when I was a baby. I look at my son, who's three, and every day it seems like there's a new aspect of him that I didn't know before. And I'm like, I didn't even know you knew that or could do that. or And, and I'm constantly blown away at the changes and the dare I say, evolution of my own kid. Um, so I'm like, you know, it's not, it's not so crazy. Right. See, I'll say I'm, I'm not the one who will watch. Like, I didn't watch the SpaceX thing. You know, I, I knew about it, but <laughs> I'm, I'm the one who will read the, the scientific article. Like, 
I'll, I'll read all about kinds of things. And stinking Facebook gets me all the time because I once I click on them, they yeah. just start like bombarding my page <laughs> and then I'll spend like hours at night yeah. just reading scientific journals. I'm super dyslexic. I want to see it. Right. <laughs> yep. And if I can, and just seeing the technology behind it and, um, that's the other side is I'm, I'm a big tech guru. I mean, when you think about how much technology it takes to put into a rocket to launch out of our atmosphere and not just blow up mm-hmm. outside of that and then to make it all the way to a, a certain place. And um, I don't know. It's just incredible. Yeah. There are some um, incredible people out there who have engineered insane things. And I'm, I can't wait to see where it goes because right. we're like this close to try and to go past the moon and on to Mars. Right. I'm just like, man, that'd be cool. I think that's so awesome. And I want to see it in my lifetime. I don't think we will, but I mean, if you if you talk to Elon Musk, it'll happen next year. But right. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't think it'll happen in our lifetime, personally. Right. See, and I'm one who thinks that that science science doesn't disprove religion mm-hmm. it gives it depth mm-hmm. like for me you know sci- i feel like science is constantly trying to create this box right the, the box that we try to put god in and so they are fabricating this box that that they're making ever smaller for god and and you know so much bigger for science but for me like the big bang or whatever it is that you know is the prevailing concept of how the world came about but the big bang is is really a a hotly debated one and so my thought is okay i can see the big bang happening you know i can see all of these things and cosmically it it comes together and i'm sorry but if i believe in a god who is all powerful and and all-knowing and how could i not believe that god's hand wasn't in that right how can i sit here and say that yeah, okay, you, you've you explained a theory about how Earth could have been created, but you didn't, you didn't prove the why. Right. You didn't prove, you know, how did these things actually come about? Like, what caused them? Because all of a sudden there's nothing, and then a few moments later there's hundreds of thousands of galaxies. How, how does that happen? Yeah. You know, where, where do you... Where do you attribute that to? And that's the unknown on both sides that yep. I think nobody will ever be able to, to, to say, oh, this is where it came from, comes from. Because science thus far has been able to look back and all of a sudden they, they just see a light at the end of the tunnel. Okay, so there's an unknown out there. Right. So you have an unknown. We have an unknown. We just say that it's God and you just say that it's something that's unknowable. Yep. Okay. Well, and I think... I think that's the interesting thing is uh, going back to what you said earlier is um, putting God in a box. But how often do we do that as Christians? Mm-hmm. You know, I, I think a lot about that and how we we try to put limitations on God and um, and on top of that we put so many rules. And that goes back to your your sermon this last Sunday and and how we put so many rules and regulations to a point where. People are like, if that's what it means to follow God, I don't want anything to do with that. Mm-hmm. I've had that conversation with three people this week right. who have all said they want to leave the faith because it's just a bunch of rules. It's just a bunch of relation or regulations, and it seems like the relationship is just thrown out the window. Mm-hmm. 
And if I'm not perfect, if I'm not this, if I'm not that, and, and the sad part is that's being peddled by our own people. Right. <laughs> um, and I'm not necessarily saying inside this church, but I mean the overall body overarching of body of Christ. And um, when we put so many rules and regulations on things, um, especially in a, in a, a culture that is so quick to rebel against the smallest anything. things, anything. Golly. Um, you know, we look at teenagers and we're like, oh, they just want to rebel on everything. But do we really grow out of that as adults? So, no. Um, I don't think we do right. because you tell me to do this. I'm like, I'm like oh, watch me. <laughs> you know, right. like, um, and so I think it's something that we just continue to to struggle with. And um, But I, I feel like that's, you know, to bring us back to Proverbs, um, <laughs> I feel like that's that's one of the things that Proverbs constantly um, teaches is discerning what's right and what's wrong. Right. And that, that includes our own laws and doctrines and different things because when Jesus had his ministry, it was this constant calling out the difference between law and actual faith. And um, so I see that in Proverbs um, 2 here is the value of wisdom um, and discerning um, what's what's wise and, and what's morally okay. Yeah. Um, and I feel like that's just where we are um, in society every day is just trying to make the best possible decision without putting ourselves in, in such a box and putting God in a box. Right. And, and so let's go back to the last week's uh, sermon over that's the way we've always done it, and we talked about rules. And one thing that I didn't want people to get out of that was that the rules were not important. And I think that we did a good job of that, but I feel like, again, whenever you start talking about rules, it's kind of one of those things where you either have rules or you have no rules. You know, it's either um, everything's in order or it's just complete anarchy. And in reality, the discussion was that the rules are important in that God has placed them in Scripture to give us the best life possible. He's a God of order, right. not of chaos. Right, and it's just like a parent. You know, you, you try to tell your kids, like, like in Proverbs 2 here, he's giving his son guidelines mm-hmm. and, and rules to live by. You know, don't, don't be deceived by the wicked men of this generation and don't be tempted by the adulteress. So in in that concept, those are rules. Those are guidelines. Those are things that you should follow. And he's not saying that to try and rob him of anything. He's not saying it to say, well, you know, don't don't experience love and affection and uh, sex and and whatever. Mm -hmm. He's not even saying that. He's just saying, look, I know that your life will be fuller if you don't become deceived by the wicked men and the adulteress and things of that nature. And I think that that's the way that, that God is working out in our lives, that these rules are important and we should follow them, but God gave them to us so that we would have a fuller life because he knows that these other decisions, if we decide to rebel, lead to negative consequences that not necessarily God is passing out as, you know, you're grounded for a month, (laughs) but as, okay, you made this decision, just understand there's going to be a negative consequence coming from it, like Mm -hmm. sexual immorality, because that's what it's talking about in in Proverbs 2. Whenever you are sexually active outside of marriage, one of the natural consequences that happens are things like 
STDs and unplanned pregnancies. Mm -hmm. Those are natural consequences that God, that God doesn't cause, but tries to prevent. Right. Like, don't do this because it will lead to these things. And I know that they will lead to these things. So if, if you stay away from it, you will have a greater life. Yeah, it's like a parent telling their kid, don't text and drive because you'll get into a wreck. Well, if the kid does and gets into a wreck, it wasn't the parent that caused that wreck. It right. was just a reaction thing, like right. trying to help you. And I like that Proverbs 2 is kind of giving some things. So on Sunday, you kind of mentioned like the rules don't give you salvation. And that's what I got out of it because mm -hmm. I do get caught up in the rules. And I'm always thinking about if I'm walking down the path of God, if I'm in the light, if I'm taking the right steps, if I'm on, you know, if I'm doing what I need to be doing. So I get so caught up on am I in the right step or am I stepping off? Because mm -hmm. you don't always know, you know, there's never like a, there's not a direct path. And so that was comforting to me to know that my salvation is still mine, mm -hmm. whether I know for a fact that I'm in step with God or whether I know for a fact that I'm out step of God. And that took away the power of the rules to where they couldn't like confine me in. And so in Proverbs 2, it's also giving rules, but it, it's like, um, it's like helping the situation. Like instead of saying, don't do these things, it's saying, do these things. Right. Like, um, treasure up my commandments, make your ear tentative to wisdom, you know, call out for insight. Those are things that we should be doing in their mm -hmm. rules. And so if you don't do these things, God's not going to smite you, but it will help you and it will help you with discerning him and stuff, which I think is good. Because um, when you tell someone not to do things or give them a list of things they're not supposed to do, then that's all they can focus on right. versus focus on the, focusing on the things that God does call us to do to grow us and push us right. forward. All right. Any other thoughts? No, that Man, we have gone different, different yeah. directions. We went through space and <laughs> time and science and... And we brought it all the way back to Proverbs too. Amen, right? That's what I'm here for. That's right. <laughs> I, I think that one thing that popped into my head whenever you were talking that was the, the story of the prodigal son. And the reason it popped into my head was I feel like the, the son's greatest sin was not, and, and if you go through the story, I mean, he did a ton he of stuff. stuff. He asked the father for his inheritance before he had passed away, which was big no-no in, in Jewish culture because that was basically telling that parent, you wish they would die. Oh. Like that, was, that was what you were saying, right? I mm -hmm. wish you would just go ahead and die so I could get my inheritance. And so when he asked for it and he took it, and then he went and he committed all kinds of sin and went and gambled and, went and, and lived a life and all of that stuff, none of those compared in his abandoning his relationship with the father. So for me, that's, that's, that's the ultimate, like, uh, that's, that's the point of the story is yes, the son went and did all of these sinful acts, but the thing that hurt him the most was abandoning that relationship with the father. Mm -hmm. And then you see that when the prodigal son returns and, and he pleads with the dad, he's not even, not that he's not listening, but he's, He's, 
to the point where he's like, look, none of that stuff matters because you're back here with me. You know, it wasn't a, oh, well, let's address this. You went and you did this. So we need to make sure to get you a, a counselor to deal with this situation because apparently, you know, you're, you're a, a sex addict or you're a gambling addict or you, you have all of these issues. So let's get you a counselor. No, it's a, you are back with me and, and in a relationship with me again. And you're, you're here and I have you. And so he threw this huge party about it, even though he'd committed all of these other things. And I feel like so many times we feel like the breaking of those rules completely separates us in a relationship with the father. Mm -hmm. But in reality, it wasn't the actions that caused the separation. It was the decision to separate. Mm -hmm. It was making that choice that I'm no longer going to be associated with you. And I'm going to go do my own thing. And I don't want to hear from you. I don't want to speak to you. I wish you were dead right. kind of mentality. And so I feel like that was the greatest pitfall of the prodigal son, that he he fell into that pit and, and he he was alone at that point. But that hope doesn't come from the fact that he, you know, went and was was forgiven of those sinful acts because he was. It was that he was now back in a relationship with the Father. And so I think that's important for us that as we go through life, we need to realize that those rules do not, they don't discredit us as believers. They don't, they don't make it so that our inheritance is pulled. Because it wasn't the Father that said, well, fine, you, you get nothing else of me. Never come to me again. I don't want to see you ever. He was sitting at the door waiting and saw his son from, from afar and ran to him. And that's, that's what God wants from us. He wants us to stay in a relationship with him mm -hmm. despite the struggles that we have, despite the rules that we break. Right, and I think that's the distinction there is, and, and it's pointed out so many times um, in church, but... It's the older brother that disqualified him. It wasn't. It wasn't God. God was like, "Heck yeah, you're back. Let's party. Let's right. let's you know, let's do celebrate, this thing. Yeah. Let's celebrate that you're back." And the older brothers over there, bitter, like, "Dude, I've I've followed you. I've been right. faithful. I've yeah. done all these things." And and you know, obviously, uh, we in, in ministry, especially, tend to compare ourselves to the older brother. But I'm, I'm truly that way a lot. Like, I can't tell you how many times just in, in my ministry here, how many times I've looked at some of the other growing, thriving churches, and I'm like, man, God is doing some amazing things, and I'm excited, but I'm like, dude, I've been faithful. I've, I've been right. here. I've, done, I've right. done everything you've asked, and I've worked my tail off, and where's my party? <laughs> like, right. you know, like, right. yeah. why don't I have 100,000 yeah. youth coming to things, right. you know? And uh, it's so easy to to be that person, and then, it's this constant reminder that that's why so many people are struggling in our, in our faith because we're the older brother jealous that God would actually take, you know, actually do what he says he's going to do and take the person back. Right. Like we preach that over and over and over. And then when yeah. God does it, we're like, what about me? <laughs> like, come on, God, I've been here this whole time. And God's like, don't you think your inheritance isn't going to be huge? Right. Keep on keeping on, son. And I'm like, yeah, but but I want a crown. I want I want right. a party, and yeah. sometimes God's just saying, "Just wait. Be patient. Yeah. Keep yeah. doing what you're doing." Yeah, 
forgiveness and grace for all except you, <laughs> you dirty sinner. But you know, the people, have, and I didn't even think about it until you, you, you said it, but the, the, the overarching people of the church, they see that sinner come in and they are that older brother. They're like, really God, you're, you're going to celebrate that person coming in. Like, do you know what they are? Right. Do you know what they've done? Do you know what they're still doing? But God is is excited and, and passionate and, and celebratory about the fact that they're just in the house. Like they're 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 here. And like we said on Sunday, he'll deal with those other things later. Mm-hmm. Like the deeper our relationship goes with him, the more he's gonna deal with those things. But that's not the main focus right now. Right. That's not what we are are that's not what we're pinpointing. We are just making sure that we celebrate those who come in and those who return and those who are back. And so the, the, the prodigal son sinned against the father, but so did the older brother and the jealousy of the the younger brother. So we need to be weary of that. We need to remember that it's equal. We put so many levels on sin. So many levels. We're like, well, he gambled. He did this. He did this. And it's like. All I did was curse this week. Right. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Right. But yeah. God sees that same sin. Yeah, because exactly. that older brother couldn't have been perfect, even yeah. in the story. I mean, let's be real. I have siblings. They're not perfect. Right. You know, so that older brother couldn't have been perfect. And so we, we have this idea that somehow that the older brother was the the righteous of righteous because he stayed and in reality it's a great thing that he stayed but it's it's not to diminish the the celebration that we should have when our lost brother and sister come back come back the party might be for them but we all get to celebrate yeah. we all get the spoils right. right and let's be honest who doesn't enjoy a birthday cake exactly like, i mean it's just that that idea like oh it's your birthday. I don't even know you, but I get cake. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Just like with our church people, like having the sinner come in, salvation is powerful and beautiful and always. That's what we're here for. And so those people who are the older brother and faithful, like, like I said, like, hey, you still get to celebrate too. It's just not your name written on the birthday cake. Right. Good stuff, guys. I could keep going about that sign stuff that I think it's great. I've always had people disprove that to me, like science disproves God. And I'm like, really? I don't think so. Starting soon, we're branching off and doing another podcast (laughs) on science. (laughs) I'm not that information. (laughs) We'll just make it the Nat podcast. No, let's not do that. Say we did. (laughs) The podcast of Nat. (laughs) The Natcast. Ooh. That's right. Man. (laughs) Such a good game. Good name. Maybe we should just name this the Natcast, Mike. Let's be honest. If we have a Nat cast, it's just going to be me and Nat talking the Flash. Truth. And I'm not even sorry. I, I will say that Nolan found, like, we had bought two episodes of the Flash on our iTunes because our one of the foster sons that we had, he was real into it, and he loved it. And we missed the opening part of the season. And oh. so yep. in order to catch back up, we had to buy, the, like, the first two episodes. So we have two random episodes on there. And Nolan's been watching those two episodes for the past two days. And he's super stoked about it. So y'all would That's love awesome. that. However, I sit there and I watch it. Don't say it. <laughs> Don't do it. <laughs> it's lame. 
That's exactly what. No, it's not that bad. It's not that bad. But you know, it's it's just one of those. (laughs) It's not one of those shows that I'm necessarily. Father, forgive him. He knows not what he says. (laughs) That's right. right. So, anything else to add, you guys? No, this is good. All hearts clear. All right. If you are listening, don't forget that if you have questions, please send them to us. Uh, if, if you have anything that you want to talk about, it, about you know, make sure to leave us a message because we want to help you guys. We want to impart wisdom on you. Not that we are the most wise, but we we do want to do all that we can to help bring wisdom to you and discernment. And so know that we're praying for you, and we love you, and we care for you, and and that God loves and cares for you as well. So you guys have a a great day and we look forward to seeing you on Sunday and having you back with us for next week's podcast. See you guys later.